Our reading continues with these words from John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? To the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. We are deep into the season of Lent, and for us there is now no going back the sign of the cross once pressed upon our foreheads in recent weeks has long since washed away. And all that now remains is the promise quietly impressed upon our hearts. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Do you believe it? Can it really be that this is good news? an invitation to accept and to experience life's tenderness, to share and to discover life's gift, all bound together in the unbeliefs of the divine. They are new every morning, new every morning. And they are forever intertwined, sewn together by spirit breath and ageless bands of purple cloth, to become a quilting of our stories, a tapestry of grace, a garment of memory, a robe of redemption. And now it springs forth, declares the prophet. Do you not perceive it? For it shall be to you like rivers in the desert, says our God, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. As we behold with praise the wondrous promises of our God, we hear also the words of today's reading from the Gospel of John, opening for us an encounter with Jesus and his disciples as they gather on the outskirts of Jerusalem six days before the Passover. The setting is tense, and if 
we were to read the concluding verses of the previous chapter, we would already know that there are many who are looking for Jesus to arrest him. The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know. Reading ahead to the next day and the verses that follow today's reading, Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, but not yet. For today, there is still an occasion to remember, one more story to tell, that on the eve of Jesus' entry into the city, he came to Bethany to share a meal in the home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, his friends and what appears to be nothing less than the reckless extravagance of blessing. The scriptures say that they gave a dinner for Jesus, and we know well from experience that this is not a small thing to give. Like in the ancient world, many of us this morning can understand and well appreciate all of the many steps that must be taken to prepare for the arrival of a most welcome guest the diligence and the careful planning, the cleaning and the cleaning, and the attention to detail that such a gift of true hospitality requires. It is in many ways a creative act, a labor of love, a beautiful gift, freely given and savored, making room for another at the table of your home. The gospel writer welcomes to consider such images of friendship and hospitality as the visible manifestations of discipleship. And each person, in their own way, contributes to the space that is being created. Martha serves, or perhaps better said, she ministers. Lazarus joins in the fellowship at the table, and Mary bends to anoint the feet of Jesus with a rich and beautiful perfume. And the house is filled with fragrance. Not only because of Mary's gift, it is also the tender fragrance of giving and receiving in love toward one another. Notice how each of the senses is stirred by the encounter as this family with Jesus at the center listens and sees, feels and smells and tastes all of the grace to be enjoyed in one of life's most ordinary moments. Another chance to express their gratitude. Another chance to communicate their admiration. Another chance to laugh and to weep in the telling of stories. Another chance to experience the rich meaning to be found in just being together. And such is the gift of life that we are given, a gift that is ours to celebrate and to And of this gesture of friendship, Judas did not yet understand. And so begins to put Mary to shame for her gift. Mary, this ointment is worth nearly a year's wages. Why did you not sell it and give the money to those who need it? Surely you can hear the implicit critique in these words. Mary, why did you squander such a gift? 
It was worth so very much, you know. You've just wasted it all the way. Without a doubt, these are words of judgment and rejection. Imagine yourself in Mary's position, openly humiliated by a guest in your home. Your good intentions called into question and a most precious gift of yours criticized as worthless. In an effort to help us understand the underlying motives for Judas' criticism, the gospel writer tells us that his remarks were not for Mary's benefit. No, this was about him. And nothing more than an attempt to try and better his own reputation at Mary's expense, which leads us to wonder, how often is our own ambition disguised as our faith? How often do we elevate ourselves at the expense of the people around us? How often do we use the language of religion to justify our judgments and our criticisms of others? In contrast to Judas' own open disapproval of Mary's offering, Jesus intervenes on her behalf. Leave her alone, he says that she might keep it for the day of my burial, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This was Mary's gift to me, says Jesus. Don't you see? It was meant to be shared in this way. There is meaning to be found in the extravagance of the gift, because some gifts are meant to be given unreservedly. Though Judas does not appreciate what Mary has given, Jesus is unafraid to receive Mary's generous anointing, unafraid to acknowledge his own vulnerability, unafraid to be touched by the offerings that we give or by the risk of our own immoderation and excess. Rather, in accepting Mary's gift, Jesus is honoring Mary in return. And in this way, the gathering at Bethany uncovers for us a deeper wisdom about the importance of relationships, about the value of community, and about what it can truly mean for us when we take the opportunity to honor one another. As we consider Mary's gift, the anointing of Jesus, and the extravagance of the perfume being poured out on Jesus' feet, we cannot help but imagine the sacrifice that Mary is making. But because she gave so openly and so freely, Judas responds as if Mary herself does not know what she is doing, does not fully comprehend the true price of her gift. But what if Mary does understand? What if Mary does appreciate the value of her gift? What if the depth of her understanding, the true price, the total cost, the weight of sacrifice is precisely why she chooses to give in the first place? A gift that is motivated by none other than Mary's love for Jesus and by her gratitude for the friendship that they have shared. 
Though Judas can only fathom Mary's gift as being reckless and extreme, Jesus accepts Mary's gift as a genuine and free expression of herself. Thus, in the end, it is Judas, really, who does not understand, does not understand friendship, does not understand Mary, does not understand Jesus. And we can say this because throughout John's gospel, Jesus' ministry so often possesses an extravagant reverence, an open posture to receiving and acknowledging another's gifts, a willingness to defend the dignity and worth of the people around him, an authentic desire to uplift and to uphold the cause of those who have been bruised and mistreated, an honest awareness of himself, enabling Jesus to relate and connect and to speak and to move and to act and to be throughout his life and ministry with integrity. That is, an ability to live in such a way that does not betray Jesus' awareness of his own mission and vocation, of who God is calling him to be, of where God is calling him to go, and of how God is calling him to live with love and with service and humility. And that is why in this story, Jesus is not concerned with the abandonment of the poor because, as Jesus says, the poor are always with you. And the poor will always be within reach of the followers of Jesus. Why? Because the poor are always with Jesus. And those who long to be near Jesus will draw near to the outcast and the vulnerable with the extravagant reverence of our Lord. Which further explains why Jesus is not worried about the extravagant reverence of Mary's gift. Because it so closely resembles the character and focus of Jesus' own life and ministry. A gift of immeasurable worth, given freely and poured out for others. Jesus does not worry that Mary's gift has been wasted because a life that is truly given to Jesus will necessarily correspond to a life of service and ministry. Jesus willingly enters Jerusalem not because he had to, but because he wanted to. And Jesus chooses to give of himself on behalf of of the world, not because he did not understand that his own life was at stake, but precisely because he did. God so loved the world that he freely gave his only son. And no one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus calls us friends and challenges us to love one another unreservedly, freely giving of ourselves and of our lives, of our values and of our substance in order to bless and to uplift and to honor one another as a witness to God's love for us and as a visible sign of the gift that is salvation. 
not a life that is kept safe, held tightly as in a bottle to be saved for some perfect moment, but a life that is broken open, given freely, pouring forth and running down from the edges of our open tables and out into the streets, an extravagant reverence open to discovering the presence of the sacred in the ordinary, the holy in the mundane, and the glory of our Lord in the faces of one another. Such an invitation implies a willingness both to strengthen and to renew the bonds that have worn thin. It requires a readiness to forge new bonds of friendship and togetherness. It demands a motivation to heal the bonds where they are sore in order that we, by the power of the cross and the promise of resurrection, might live to share the gift of community that God and Christ has bestowed upon us by the living breath of the Holy Spirit as a tangible sign of affection and tenderness, like a fragrance of blessing that so surrounds us and fills our homes. Just as Mary honors Jesus with her gift, so Jesus honors each of us in his life and in his death. And all who follow Jesus are called to honor one another as a celebration of the lives of those whom God so loves, of those whom Christ has given us to share our lives, even if it is only for a time. As we are nearing the end of this Lenten season, may our own gifts of gratitude and love spill out with integrity an extravagant reverence pouring forth beyond ourselves, bearing the sign of the cross and the promise of our redemption in the lives that we live and share together. In the name of Jesus. Amen.